Well, there's only one well. His name is Jesus, right? He's the fountain of living water. And I hope that you know him, and I hope that you're worshiping him, acknowledging him, and he is uh, paramount in your life. And I, I pray that today for you, that you know the Lord as your personal Savior. And if you don't, today would be an excellent day to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you again for being here. May God bless you for coming today. And I really pray, as you'll be praying for your pastors, we continue in our series in Revelations. I covet your prayers that you'll help me as I study to God's Word, that God would just open up the Word to me personally and to you as well. As I preach it, as you receive it, together we're receiving and we're understanding more and more the Word of God because we're studying the Word of God and we're asking God to speak to our hearts. You know, that's the key to understanding Scripture is asking God to give you wisdom, asking God to help you to understand the Word of God, understand it and really put it in your heart. And so I hope these messages are helping you. I really do. I heard about a pastor who was walking down the street and he looked across the road. He saw a little boy trying to reach the, the doorbell. He couldn't reach it. He was really trying frantically. And his little buddy there was with him. Neither one could reach the doorbell. So he walks over and she puts his hand on his shoulder and said, uh, let me help you. He rung the doorbell and he reached down. And he just kind of knelt down, looked him face to face. He said, now what do we do like that? He said, I don't know about you, but me and little Timmy are about to run away. <laughs> but anyway, I hope they're helping you. I really do. And I hope that you are gleaning from these messages, preparing your hearts for whatever happens in the last days. You know, we don't always know what's going to happen. God doesn't reveal everything to us. But he reveals to us enough to know that Jesus is on the throne and he's coming back. The Son of God is coming back for his bride, for us, the church. And so as we open up chapter 6 and finish it today, chapter 6, in this series, I want to pray, and I want to ask God's blessing upon this message today. I want God to bless it. I want God to use it for His glory. And I want God to speak to my heart, and I want God to speak into your heart. So together, let's join our hearts together, and let's just pray and ask God to speak to us today. Let's do that. Father, in the name of Jesus... Lord, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to you this morning. Lord, we have worshipped you in song, and Lord, we've worshipped you in just praising you and giving you glory. We've worshipped you in our connect groups this morning, Lord, as we've been taught the Word of God. And now, Lord, as we just kind of sat here and focus on you and the Word of God, I pray that, Lord, you would open up our minds, you would open up our hearts to you, that we may, Lord invite you to speak to our hearts right now. Lord, I pray that you would speak to my heart. Lord, you've given me this message to present this morning. Lord, I hope it's not just a sermon or a message. I hope that, Lord, it's something that we can grab a hold of. It would help us in our personal walk with you. And, Lord, as you teach us about what's coming down the road, Lord, we just want to pray that we know Jesus as our personal Savior. And for anyone here that doesn't know Christ, and, Lord, anyone watching us this right now by live stream, I pray for them, Lord, and I pray for us that, Lord, we'd be honest with you and that, Lord, we know where we stand with you. And, Lord, your Holy Spirit would bring conviction in our heart. And, Lord, you would help draw us to you. And then, Lord, you would bring confidence in our spirit that we would know we're child, children of God. So, Lord, would you speak mightily through your word I invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to help me this morning and to help us to ascertain and understand your word. So, Lord, we pray this morning that you would speak to us, O oh Lord. Speak through your word and through your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we continue our journey through the book of Revelation, uh, last week we began to unveil, if you will, the tribulation in chapter 6, and we'll continue that today. In Revelation chapter 6 through 19, talks about the tribulation period. It's not a pretty picture. It doesn't make for popular preaching. I can tell you that right now. And so there's a lot of devastation, a lot of destruction here on planet Earth after the church has been raptured, I believe. And so uh, we need to understand what's going to happen here on planet Earth. And so it doesn't make for popular preaching. It's like the uh, Surgeon Gen General of the United States who came out 
and told us that smoking can cause lung cancer. Remember that when that first came out? That smoking can cause lung cancer. That wasn't a popular statement, by the way, but it did save lives. Right? It does save lives. It may not be popular preaching, but it will save lives if people will only listen to us. It's like the man who was very concerned about that. He read the newspaper article about the dangers of smoking. He said, I think I'm just going to give up reading newspapers. <laughs> that's a lot of way, that's the way a lot of people approach the Word of God. It tells us what we don't want to hear, so I think, well, I'll just give that up. I'll just quit going to church. I'll quit listening to it, and maybe it'll just go away. But it won't. And so we need to hear the Word of God. We need to hear what it says to us. We need to hear what's going to happen and what God is speaking to us, especially in this book of Revelation. Last week, we looked at the first four seals. We unlocked, if you will, watching John unlock, the the Son of God unlocking the first four seals. We talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. We talked about that last week. And so today, we're going to look at the two more seals as we close out chapter 6 of Revelation. We'll discuss the last three seals, but we'll only get to two of those today. All right? And so these last three seals are a little different. The scene changes from, from earth to heaven. And so we're going to look at what's going on in heaven. So in your Bibles, let's look at the fifth seal. In verses 9 through 11, we're going to look at the fifth seal. Now, I want you to notice something. Three things I'm going to give you about this fifth seal. Number one is the people. Who is involved in this, uh, in, when John is writing this, who are the people involved that he speaks about in verse number 9? Well, let's look at, first of all, in your outline, the people. Now, look at verse 9. When he, John, opened the fifth seal, or when God, Jesus opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, as John watches the Son of Man, if you will, the only one worthy who opened the seal, as he opens this fifth seal, we're seeing something here that the Antichrist, remember, the Antichrist has been given reign and power of God, if you will, by God, to reign on planet Earth. And many people, we talked about last week, many people are going to fall to the Antichrist's flatteries and also his promises. But there's going to be some during the tribulation period who are going to refuse him. They're going to refuse to take the mark, if you will, of of Satan and be put to death. They'll be put to death. They're called martyrs. These are the ones that John is speaking of here are the remnant of martyrs that will be martyred during the tribulation period. And this is what this fifth seal is all about. Now, if you'll remember Matthew chapter 24, the words of Jesus as Jesus predicted uh, the future in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 is a parallel to chapter 6 of Revelation. These same things that we're seeing unfolded in chapter 6 of Revelation is what Jesus in Matthew chapter 24 predicted was going to happen. For instance, in verse number 8, he said, This is only the beginning of sorrows. And then in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 9, he says this, Then they'll deliver you to tribulation, and they will kill you. They'll deliver you to tribulation, and they will kill you. These are the martyrs that he's speaking of here in Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 9. These are the martyrs in verse number 10 as well. And so these are the martyrs we're looking at. When you see this persecution, and by the way, there's going to be persecution. We're already getting some mild persecution as Christians today. We're getting ostracized in some things. There's some double standards, it seems, today in our land against Christianity. And we're already seeing a mild, just very mild persecution right here in the United States. But you go around the world of places like Nigeria and India and places like that, these Christians are being killed. They're being put to death even today for their, for their belief. I read the other day, yesterday, I read where a, little, a young lady was thrown off of the roof of a building because she was a Christian and she refused to convert and marry the person that they had chosen for her and refused to convert to Islam. And they just threw her off of the top of the building because she was a Christian. People have been in prison right now because of Christianity. And so we don't understand all of that right here in the good old U.S. of A., but it's happening right around us in the world today. It's going to be greatly magnified 
if you will, in the tribulation period, as we've been talking about. So the persecution. These, the persecution, by the way, will be government-led. It'll be government-led persecution by the Antichrist who takes world, one world order and one world government. And so they'll be persecuting these Christians and put them to death in the tribulation period. And so you think about that. The government will take control. The Antichrist will take control. We're seeing things, even our land today, we're seeing laws being passed that goes against what we believe the Word of God teaches. There's laws. And once it's put in the law, then you're either going to be involved in a hate crime or you're going to be persecuted for that, even tried, maybe put into prison. And so you can see how that's happened. You can see how the Antichrist rises up in this one world order and how these people are martyred for what they believe. Thank goodness, I believe with all of my heart, I believe the Bible teaches this, that the church has been raptured before the tribulation. Uh, God, by the grace of God, we have been raptured up. So the church is gone, and so God's going to deal with those on earth. He's going to deal with Israel. A lot of the Jews are going to be saved during this time. In the tribulation period, going to be dealt with in the millennial kingdom as well. We'll get to that later on in the other chapters. Millions will believe the deception of Satan's lies, and they're going to be martyred as a remnant, if you will, of saints. And because of their witness, their witness to the true message of Jesus Christ, they're going to have to declare, I'm a Christian, and I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, knowing it's going to mean death. Now, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, listen to this. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 4, listen to what the Bible says. And I saw thrones, and they set on them... And judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, when, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And these are the ones, if you will, who are Christians. Some are being saved through the tribulation period. Going to be, we're going to be raptured up and we're going to be reigning with him for a thousand years in the millennial kingdom. Now, let me ask you a question. And I believe this is a question that I've asked over the years and I believe many a Christian have asked. And I want to kind of deal with it just for a moment. Although this is not in the message per se and I don't, can't spend a lot of time here. But let me just ask this question because I know we've thought this and I've thought this. So I'm going to ask it. If the church is raptured up and Christians are gone, how in the world can people be saved during the tribulation period? Isn't that a good question? I think I've asked that and you've asked that. Well, I've always heard that once, you know, you rejected Christ, then you can't be saved. That's it. That's it. And how can people be saved during the tribulation period? Well, one of the reasons is there's going to be two witnesses God's going to raise up. I believe, I'll talk about this later on, but I believe it's Moses and Elijah. The two witnesses are going to be preaching, if you will, during the tribulation period. Very clear in Scripture. Also, we'll see next Sunday in chapter 7, there's going to be 144,000 witnesses. These are Jewish witnesses who are going to be preaching during the tribulation period. Now, think about this. Here's another reason. We're going to be raptured up, but what's going to happen to our Bibles? Now, think about that. Everybody's got seven or eight Bibles. They're going to be everywhere. Somebody's like a Gideon Bible in a hotel room. Somebody's just going to pick one up and say, Man, I miss, I believe this. I believe this. Now, I want to share something with you. I agree with David Jeremiah on this thought. I really do. And, and I, I've thought about this. And David Jeremiah says this. He says, Once a Christian... In, in our time here, once a Christian, before the rapture, you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no second chance. There is no second chance because the Holy Spirit's going to be restrained after the church is removed. The Holy Spirit's going to be removed. Now, what happens to those who are left? If you'll read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says that God sends them a great delusion to where they believe the lies and deceptions of Satan, and then their hearts are hardened toward it. For instance, if you're in this service right now, and you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, say, I'm just not going to be a Christian, I don't believe that stuff. And let's just say tomorrow all of us are raptured up, and you're left behind. You're not going to believe during the tribulation period. 
You've had your opportunity. You've had every opportunity to come to Christ. And yet you reject Him, you reject Him. Why would we think that, yeah, I'm going to get the, I'm just going to wait. Some people think like this. Well, I believe, you know, when Jesus comes, everybody's raptured up. Then I'll believe, I'll really know that it's true. And then I'm going to get saved during the tribulation period. No, you're not. You're going to believe the lie. And your heart's going to be hardened because you're going to be sent by God a strong delusion. Because your heart's going to be hardened. But there will be those who, you think about all the people who've never heard like you've heard the gospel. Think about those people. The rapture happened today and during the tribulation period, those who've never ha- heard the word of God the way we've heard it. You're going to have 144,000 witnesses preaching. You're going to have those two witnesses preaching. There's going to be Bibles. There are going to be some, especially Jews. A lot of Jews are going to believe during this time. But those who have the opportunity, I want to read something that I I read, David Jeremiah, and I I believe this quote, quote, Believing these deceptions of Satan, the people who have rejected the gospel before the tribulation will go to hell without opportunity to receive Christ. The day of grace will be over for them. There is no second chance. So we need to understand that. Now, if you're thinking, well, I'm just going to hang around and wait, and I'm going to have a deathbed confession, or I'm just going to wait till later on, maybe God will just give me another opportunity. You have an opportunity right now to be saved. Amen? You've heard the gospel, heard Pastor Dusty preach it, other pastors preach it. And so I'm just saying you need to understand what's at stake here. We need to understand the seriousness of this text and of this whole book, not only Revelation, but the entire book. Now, verse 9, in the Old Testament, when the priest, when the priest presented an animal sacrifice, they took the victim of the animal's blood and they poured it on the base of the brazen altar. And this is in Leviticus chapter 4, if you want to follow that. You can go back and read. It's good reading. Read Leviticus. Read through Leviticus. You'll understand about the law, okay? But, uh, the Old Testament imagery here is the blood represents life. Leviticus chapter uh, seven, verse, uh, 17, verse 11 speaks about that. There's life in the blood. That's why we have to have our blood. And so what he's speaking of here under the altar, watch this, that, or those had been slain for the word of God, verse number nine, and for the testimony which they held. It's a picture here of the blood of the animal sacrifice that Jesus, the Lamb of God, gave you and I a sacrifice that we can live our lives sacrificially to the glory of God. Now, the altar, look what it says in verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. Now, he's speaking of an altar here, and we know in the Old Testament, in the temple, there was a brazen altar. I just told you why there was one, because the blood was offered in this brazen altar, and the priest would go sprinkle it in the Holy of Holies and then sprinkle it even on the people. Now, what's the significance of that? Now, if you'll look in Revelation chapter 8, look in Revelation chapter 8. And look with me in verses 3 and 4 of Revelation chapter 8. Again, we're speaking about the, the martyrs here, the blood of the martyrs offered on the, the sa- animal sacrifices were offer, offered on the, uh, on the altar. Now he said, I'm looking under the altar. This would kind of be the altar of the cross, if you will. But there's an altar there before the throne. The Bible's clear. Look in chapter 8 of Revelation, verse 3 and 4. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. Now, this is in heaven. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's, uh, uh, from the angel's hand. And so when you see that word incense, we'll talk about that. This is the prayers of the saints. And so in this altar, under this altar in heaven, we're seeing the blood of these martyrs being offered during the tribulation period. And that's what he's speaking of there in verse number uh, 9. The Apostle Paul had this thought in mind. Remember Apostle Paul when right before he died? He said, I've been offered up as a drink offering. Remember that? I've been offered up as a drink offering, uh, as a sacrifice, a living sacrifice, by the way, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I've given him my life. I've given him my service, and now I'm finishing my race, race. I've kept the faith, and now I'm going to be with him and receive the crowns that he's given me. But I've been poured out 
My life's been poured out as a living sacrifice. And so the picture is here of these martyrs in the tribulation period who refuse the mark of the beast, the mark of Satan, and when they proclaim their testimony for Christ, they're going to be immediately martyred and killed. And so he's speaking about that in verse number 9, of the, the blood of the martyrs. And he's talking about the martyrs there and the testimony which they held. What a testimony for those who denied Satan, knowing they were going to die immediately, being martyred, and they did. Now look at the petition in verse number 10. That's the, that's the people. Now look at the petition, if you will, in verse number 10. And they cried with a loud voice. Now these are the martyrs, and these are the ones in heaven. Watch this. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on earth? Now, think about these martyrs and those who are saying, how long are you going to wait? By the way, have you ever thought that? Maybe you said that. How long? How long is God going to put up with this sinful world? How long is God going to tarry before the trumpet sound and before Jesus comes back and before the church is raptured up? How long, Lord, are you going to tolerate all of this? And so that's a good question, and people have been asking that. And so the petition is of these saints, watch this, how long, O Lord? It's a call for justice. Lord, we just want justice. Now, in Jesus' day, he said, forgive those who persecute you. But in heaven, at the end time, there's going to be, there's the wrath of God's there. This is it. It's come. The wrath of God is on planet earth. And they said, how long are you tarrying before you avenge the blood of these martyrs? Before you avenge the blood of that lady that was thrown off the roof? Those Christians who were, who were eaten by the lions? For sport by Nero? How long? Are you going to, when are you going to avenge their blood? When are you going to bring your justice? And they're asking that question. And we're asking that, by the way. We really are at times. We ask about that. And so Luke chapter 18, verse 7 says this. Listen to this. Shall God not avenge his own elect who cried day and night to him, though he became, he became long-suffering with them? And so the question is, how long, Lord, will you tarry? Now I want you to look in Psalms chapter 13. The book of Psalms chapter 13. The reason I want you to look there is because this is the same question that David had. Remember David? David fought for the Lord, and uh, he's wondering as well. Look what David says in verses 1 and 2 of Psalms chapter 13. Watch this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long are you going to, when are you going to avenge me and my enemies? How long are you going to wait forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Ever, had your, ever feel like your prayers are never getting answered? God, how, how long are you going to hide your face from me? That's what David was feeling. And then verse number 2. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Have you ever felt like the enemy is winning? Yeah, yeah we have. We feel like that right now. <laughs> In a lot of ways we feel like the enemy's winning. Social injustice and all other things that's going on in our land today. It just seems like we're losing. By the way, we're not. Read the book. We win. We've got to believe that to the point that our attitude follows our belief. We can't go around this, oh, it's woe is us, Christian. We're just getting persecuted, blah, blah, blah. Well, you may be, but you're going to win. Act like a winner. Live like a winner. Amen? We've got to live like a winner. It changes your whole attitude when you live like a winner and act like a winner. I love it when Saban tells those guys, when, or Bear Bryant did this, when you get in the end zone, act like you've been there. Amen? Don't act a fool. Act like you've been there before. And we've got to act like we know Jesus. And let the world see that we have hope. He is our hope. 
He is our hope. I, I, I'm waiting for Convoy of Hope. Do you see that video? Convoy of Hope. We're going to be able to share that with our city. People need hope. And so they're petitioning before God. How long? Zechariah felt that. Listen to this. Zechariah 1.12. Then the angel of the Lord answered and said, Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy? This is an angel. Oh, Lord, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judea? against which you're, you were angry these 70 years. Well, when are you going to do something about it? What they're saying. Habakkuk had the same thing. Listen to Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear me. Even cry out to you, violence in the land, and you will not save. You know, I heard this saying. I don't know who said it, but I've heard this. If God doesn't come back and punish planet Earth, he's going to have to apologize to Solomon Gomorrah. You ever heard that? Well, God's not going to have to apologize to anybody. But people say, man, it's so bad right now. If he don't do something, he's going to have to come back and apologize to Solomon Gomorrah. No, no. And by the way, as I'm studying chapter 6, it's helped me. Like like a little boy at the door, not at the doorbell. It's helped me. Because listen. It reminds me, as I've just preached today, we do win. And I know the end of the story. I know the end of the book. I know what's going to happen. Now, I may be martyred. You may be martyred. That's okay. We're going to live again. Jesus said, don't fear those that can kill the body. Fear those that can take the soul. Amen? And he's the one my soul is in the hand of the Lord. Amen? And so we need to realize that. And so uh, here's a statement on the screen. Watch this statement. The saints in heaven know that God will eventually judge sin and establish righteousness in the earth, but they do not know God's exact schedule. It is not personal revenge they seek, but vindication of God's holiness and the establishment of God's justice. Every believer today who sincerely prays, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, is is essentially echoing the same petition. We're just echoing, Your will be done, the kingdom's coming. Amen? And even today, where God's on the throne, and uh, even in the death of these martyrs and the death of people of Christ, we will never forget Psalms 116, verse 15, right? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Wow. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Those who've been martyred, those who sacrificed for the Lord Jesus Christ, like Paul and others, sacrificially living for the Lord, not wavering, running the race, keeping the faith, not quitting. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. These martyrs are in the Lord's hands. And then the promise we have in verse 11. Watch verse 11. Then a white robe was given to them, each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who, were, who would be killed as they were was completed. Until the sacrifice is over, until those who have sacrificed their lives for the Lord, until the Lord comes back, He said, I want you to rest a little while. He's speaking about these martyrs here in verse number 10. Just rest for a little while. By the way, I'm going to give you a robe of white. I'm going to take care of you as I will everyone. And one day we're going to all be together in a place called heaven. And so this group is identified with the great multitude in heaven. Now look in chapter 7. We'll cover this next Sunday. But look in chapter 7 and look in verse 13 and 14. I want you to see this. You're getting a picture of these these martyrs and those killed and how it's all going to culminate in the end. Look in verse 13 and 14 of Revelation 7. Then one of the elders answered and said to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes? Remember he said, I'll give you a robe of white. Who are these and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. So these are the martyrs who were martyred during the tribulation period. That's what he said. And made them white, white in the blood 
of the Lamb. Wow. That's why Hebrews 9, 27 says, about the, remission, about the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. These are white now. The blood is covered by the Lord, and he got robes of white. Look in verse, verse 14. They were white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, if you look at that, we need to understand that John sees a great number of people, not just these, but a great number of those in heaven. A lot of them have been sacrificed and killed for the testimony. And so he's speaking to this group as well. And they're given a robe of white. Now notice that. It reminds me of those in Revelation. Turn there, by the way. Turn back to chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. Now, remember what the robe, the white, is a sign of what? We talked about it last Sunday. A robe is a sign, I mean, white is a sign of victory. Is it not? Jesus is going to come back, Revelation 19, on a white horse. And we're going to have robes of white which is, indicates victory. Now look in Revelation chapter 3 and look in verse 4 and 5. He's speaking to the church of Sardis here. Now watch this. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and will, you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Verse 4. You have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments. Now watch this. A few who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Notice that. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but will confess their name before my Father. So this white robe is very significant of, of also of victory. It's also significant that we're going to have uh, uh, robes of righteousness. The, the white robe is a sign of purity. We've been changed, transformed, and we're pure in the Lord. It's a sign of blessedness, sign of the beauty of holiness. And so we're going to be with these. And that's what he's promising those who have been killed during the tribulation period. And so, uh, this indicates that these martyrs, though they're killed, later will make up this great multitude. And we looked at that. Now, look in verse uh, 7 at verse 9 and 10. See how it all comes together. Now, before we go to the next seal, I want you to see this. So, watch Revelation 7, verse 9 and 10. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all the nations, all the nations, every tribe, every peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they were crying out with a loud voice saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of God. He's given us salvation. He's clothed us in white robes and given us crowns, by the way. We know it talks about in, in Timothy. We have the crowns of righteousness. Paul had that. Now that's the fifth seal. Now, let's watch the sixth seal that's just being opened very quickly. Look at the sixth seal. And I want to read uh, the last uh, few verses, verse 12 and following. And I want to read it, and then we're going to comment on this. Watch this. Now, he opens the sixth seal. I looked, John said, and when Jesus, the Lamb of God, opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Three earthquakes are mentioned in Revelation. Great earthquakes, by the way. And there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, jet black hair. And the moon became like blood. Now this is, this, is in the, this is in the future and it's happening there in heaven, if you will. And it's going to happen on earth. And it's happening on earth, but he's showing them in heaven. All right. And the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth. And like a fig tree drops its leaves when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded or rolled back as a scroll when it's rolled up. And every mountain and every island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and free, they hid themselves in caves in the rocks and of the, of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the raft of the Lamb. By the way, you know who the judge is, don't you? It's Jesus. He's coming back to judge the earth. Hide us from the Lamb. 
And then verse 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now, as we open this sixth seal and look at this, what's the worst disaster that, you can, that you've ever seen personally? What's the worst disaster you've ever witnessed personally? Well, for me, it was April, April the 3rd, April the 3rd, 1974. It was a tornado, a Category 5 tornado. It, then I had never seen destruction from a tornado then. I mean, that's my first time. It was a long time ago. It came through Tanner. And I was on a night shift at Wachain, and Larry Martin and I were driving into work, and we heard about that. And they said, well, the roads are probably bark, uh, blocked over at Tanner. You probably won't be able to get through. And we got a phone call that my aunt was over there in Tanner, and they couldn't find her. And so Larry and I went over there, and I'm telling you, when I drove over to Tukey, Tukey Station there, it used to be on the corner. Y'all remember that, Karen? I've never seen anything in my life. I'm telling you, that station was completely gone. There was debris everywhere. And we've seen some of this recently. But I'm telling you, then I'd never seen anything like it. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And my aunt's house was totally gone. My aunt Mary Elizabeth, and she was killed in that tornado. But it was such devastation. It was such destruction. I'll never in my life forget that. Now, I wrote this statement. I want you to watch this statement on the screen. Up to now, the effects of the first five seals, although unprecedented in their global impact, is somewhat recorded in history already. For instance, such as conflict, we've heard of that, and war, and death, and famine, and disease, and even martyrdom. But with the opening of the sixth seal, all such explanations vanish for, for the signs which accompany these seals are unmistakable supernatural. Now, what I just read to you in this seal is supernatural happenings. You've never seen anything like it. Tornadoes, and I'll, let me finish. The magnitude of the cosmic disturbances that will occur when Christ breaks the sixth seal is an awesome expression of the wrath of God, not the work of unregenerate mankind. When the sixth seal is open, there are unmistakable global signs of astronomical proportion. We can't even imagine what, when he opens his sixth seal, what's going to happen on planet earth. The martyrs are crying, avenge us. The unbelievers are crying, hide us. Hide us. Hide us from this terrible, terrible wrath of God. And so when this sixth seal is open, it's producing worldwide, worldwide destruction of convulsions and catastrophes. Unbelievable. And so they include uh, the uh, great earthquake. Again, in, the, in this verse 6:12, in Revelation 11:13, in Revelation 16:18, all three in the few, we're going to talk about these later, all three of these are great earthquakes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, parallel with chapter 6, great earthquakes are going to happen. This is the beginning of sorrow. Speaking about the abomination of desolation, the 70th week, he's talking about that. The Old Testament prophets predicted a time would come when the earth would be intensely shaken. Now think about that. Some six, seven, eight hundred years ago, before this is happening, before Jesus even came. They were predicting these kind of things are going to happen on planet Earth. Now, I want to show you a couple of those because here's what I want to do. I want you to understand something. I use the Old Testament references because Old Testament is our history. You know, the history of Israel. But also, we can go back at these prophets and see how they prophesied what would happen in the, in the, in the days to come. There's over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament just of Jesus' first coming. And listen, listen. All of those are being fulfilled, right? We've already seen all those fulfilled. Now, if those came to true and they're fulfilling, what about the second coming prophecies? They're going to be just as true and just as real. You can deny it. You can say this is just an old book written by a bunch of old men. But I'm telling you, these prophecies are going to come to pass. They're promises of God. I want you to, that's why I'm going back and showing you some of these. So turn with me to Joel, the, the minor prophet, Joel, Hosea, and then Joel. 
the prophet Joel. Now, that Joel is one of the minor prophets. Now, I want you to look in Joel chapter 2. It's hot in here today, isn't it? Uh, By the way, that's why I don't wear a coat. Can I get a witness? For those of you who are offended, I'm just sorry. I don't wear a jacket. I get hot. It's hot enough for just a long sleeve. All right. I want you to look in Joel chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Or verse 10 and 11. And I've got to read it fast because I want to get this. I want to close. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark. And the stars diminish from their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes who executes his word. Notice this. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now look in Joel, if you will, chapter 2, look in verse 30. Joel 2, verse 30. And I will show you wonders in the heavens and in the earth, Joel saying, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. The moon into blood. 600 years before John wrote Revelation chapter 6. Look what he says. Joel says this. The moon's going to be blood and sun's going to be turned to darkness before the coming of the great and terrible awesome day. He's talking about the tribulation. Watch this. Before the great and and awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion in Jerusalem there will be delivered, and the Lord said, among the remnant. We'll talk about that millennial kingdom, by the way, the remnant of the Jews. He said the remnant. But Joel predicted this was going to happen. Now, not only Joel, but also Isaiah. If you want to turn there, turn with me to the my, a major prophet, Isaiah. And let's look in Isaiah chapter uh, 13. Isaiah chapter 13. And look in verse 9 and 10. Write it down. If you can't find it, just write it down. I want you to see this. Revelation, I mean, Isaiah 13, 9 and 10. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy the sinners from it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its light to shine. There again, 600 or so years before it even happened, He's predicting. Now look in chapter 34 of Isaiah. Just turn over a few pages. Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 34. And watch this. Look in verse number 4. Isaiah 34, verse 4. These are predicting the judgments are coming, right? Verse 4. And the host of heaven shall be dissolved. And the, uh, that's the heavenlies, if you will, all the heavenlies. And the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll. By the way, didn't I just read that in Revelation chapter 6? And the, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll, and their hosts shall fall down. That's all the stars and all the constellations. And the, as a leaf from the fig tree. I just read that in chapter 6 of Revelation. It's like a fig tree lo- losing its leaf. Same thing. The prophecy and the fruit falling from a fig tree. Now, I want you to look in Revelation chapter 6. Look back in our text and look in verse 13. And there it is in verse 14. Look at verse 14. It's going to be shaken by a mighty wind and then, like a fig tree. And in verse 14, the sky is going to recede as a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island will be removed from its place. There, there it is. And then in verse 15 and 16, it describes something. I want you to watch this. I'm going to close, but watch this. It don't matter who you are. It don't matter where you live. It don't matter where you are on the social ladder. You can be rich. You can be wealthy. You can be popular. Or you can be poor. It don't matter. Look in verse 15. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, 
And every slave and every free man will hide themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. We, we read, we talked about last week, no matter how much money you can, when the famine, have, when the famine comes, you can't buy anything. You can have all the money in the world. You're not going to buy anything. By the way, it makes sense to tithe. <laughs> You're invested in oh. A good preacher always puts that in there. Amen? <laughs> Just injects that. <laughs> oh, my word. And so when you look at verse 16 and 15 and 16, the, 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 the stars are falling out of the sky. The mountains are coming out and uh, the moon's turning to blood red. And all this stuff's happening, man. It's unbelievable. And you think a tsunami was bad. You think a Category 5 tornado or a hurricane was bad. You think 9-11 was bad. You think the atomic bomb in Japan was bad. And they were. But nothing will match what's going to happen on planet Earth during the tribulation period. I just want you to see that because I'm telling you it is coming. And so what's going to happen? People are going to hide themselves. Now watch this. People are going to try to hide from God. Think about verse number 16. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, and hide us from the wrath of that little bitty lamb. Hide us from the lamb. The lamb? Yes, the lamb of God. Hide us from the judge. We know he's coming back to judge the sinners. And so hide us from him. Can you imagine that? Hide us from him. Let the rocks fall on us. Just hide us from it. And by the way, you'll want to die, but you can't. You can't. You can't even commit suicide. It's just going to happen. You're going to be judged. Everybody that's sinner is going to stand before the great white throne of judgment of God. Now, Vance Havner said something very interesting. Put it in your, in your outline. When the day of the Lord comes, the most expensive piece of real estate will be a hole in the ground. You'll wish you could buy it. And you wish you could hide from God, but you can't. Here's another truth. People would rather hide from God in fear than run to Him in faith. Isn't that unbelievable? That people had rather hide from God in fear than to run to Him in faith. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God, didn't they? They sinned. God came. Where are you, Adam? Oh, I'm hiding. What about Jonah? He tried to run from the presence of God. Couldn't do it. So let me close. What's sad is we're going to see an avalanche of judgment coming on planet Earth. And sinners are going to be dealt with. They're going to, it's going to be a terrible day for those who are sinners. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24 as I close with this statement. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. I want you to see it. This is a good verse of Scripture to close and make an invitation. I'm going to have the invitation as soon as I read this. I want you to watch it. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21 and 20. Follow with me. Matthew, this is a tribulation period. Jesus is prophesying or, or predicting this. Matthew chapter 24, verse 21, uh, verse 21 and 22. And pray, Jesus says, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter. Verse 20, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation. On, on such as not such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor will ever be again. Now watch verse 22. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Now watch this. This is what I was talking about earlier about some being saved. Unless these days were shortened, nobody would ever be saved. But for the elect's sake, sakes, those days will be shortened. Now watch verse 29 and 30. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. This is Jesus saying the same thing Joel said, Isaiah said, and John said in Revelation. Verse number 30, watch it. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and with power and great glory. And we'll be with Him. We'll be going back with Him. 
This is the final judgment here. And watch this. And he will send his angels with a great sound of trumpet. And they will gather together his elect from the four corners of the world. And from one, ha- one side of heaven to the other. And then the great white throne judgment is going to be coming. Now watch this. Are you going to be left behind? Here's the here's invitation. What I've just shared with you today should scare us out of our boots if we're not a Christian. And I'm not trying to scare you to Jesus. I'm just trying to preach the gospel. Now, he, if he scares you, you better listen. Amen? If the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, I don't know that I'm saved. Oh, I'll probably be left behind. I don't want to. Pastor Dusty described something terrible. I don't want to be a part of that. Then you need to get saved. What else is it going to take for you to come to know that you're a sinner? You need Christ in your heart. And you're going to be left behind. It doesn't matter what kind of religion you have. It doesn't matter what church you belong to. How many times you've been baptized. If you've never met Jesus. And you don't know in your heart right now today. And God's convicting you of that. You need to be down here at this altar. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray, oh Lord, you would help us. Help us. To see ourselves as sinners. Those of us who've never put our faith and trust in Jesus, God, help us to run to Jesus. We don't have to hide from you. We need to run from you. Or run to you. Run to you today. Then be saved. Those of us who are Christians, I'm praying that they would pray right now. That every Christian in this building would begin to pray and those watching by live stream would begin to pray for those who need to make decisions. There's some in here, this may be the last message they ever hear. And I'm praying for them to get right with you. I pray for the lost to come and be saved today and know that they're saved. Some want to come and join the church, they need to come as well. The altar's open, and I'm praying that lost people would just come to Jesus before it's too late would you stand I want to ask you to come as we sing Dwayne you, this is the invitation it's your time amen let's sing oh let the sun